I still didn't feel like a dad. And that was the hardest struggle was you're sitting there and going, I am a dad. You're telling yourself you're a dad, you're a dad, you're a dad. But you don't feel like you're a dad. You've still got no responsibilities. I'm still not getting up at two in the morning to a crying baby. So I didn't feel like a dad. Welcome along. This is the Still Parents podcast. We're on episode 39. We're live on YouTube uh, Sunday night. It's been the first game of the World Cup. The bizarre World Cup taking place in Qatar. So, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit as well. How are you, Ryan? Are you, are you well? You okay? Yeah, I'm okay, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Matt, how are you? It's been, uh, been an interesting week. We'll get into that. No, I'm not, not too bad, thank you. It was actually our second anniversary. Since we did our last episode, we've had our second anniversary of our first ever episode. November the 8th. That Matt pointed out. And it's, it's flown by when we started off um, on Zoom during lockdown when we intended just to do a, uh, a quick six-episode series, wasn't it? And if you'd like to give us a follow on Instagram, Still Parents Podcast, it's a fairly new page still, so we're just building that. And the same with Twitter, Still Parents Pod. We also got a website, which is about to launch, actually. We have. Ryan's been busy this week. He has been. I can vouch for that. With yeah, his new toy. Very busy. Like I'm not busy all okay. the time. <laughs> Our guest today, we would like to welcome onto the Still Parents podcast to Mr. Jake Mallon. Jake, can you hear us loud and clear? We can see you. Uh, on our screen here in the yeah, studio. Can hear you guys. How's everyone? Very well, bad. thank you. Very, very well. How, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. No problem at all. Where are you, by the way? Where are you joining us from? I'm currently in uh, an office in Bexley Village. I, I, I've left the house tonight because uh, my partner's just had a little one. So we've uh, he's ten weeks old. So. I've, uh, I didn't want to wake the house up, so I've, I've come to an office. Oh, brilliant. Well, obviously, uh, massive congratulations. Ten weeks. How, how is, how's the sleep at the minute? You getting any? Yeah, no, all good, all good. Uh, it's not, the first two weeks were, were quite uh, <laughs> difficult. Um, but no, apart from that, it's, all, it's been great. So oh, brilliant. we're both delighted. And you're actually heading off to, to Doha, aren't you? In a few yeah. days where the World Cup is currently taking place. It's all right, isn't it? Fly out on the 28th till the 19th of December. You going to some of the games so, then? Yeah, uh, we'll do, yeah. I think I land on the 28th and England-Wales on the 29th. So, uh, it's all right yeah, for some, yeah, isn't it? A fiery it's one. Yeah, yeah. It's all right for some. <laughs> Before we get into things just a little bit more, just so, uh, so people watching and listening can get an idea of, of what you do for a living and, and what job you're involved with, because obviously it's all related to, to that, what we've just spoke about anyway. I work in a business called New Era and Genius, where we look after former professional players, uh, presenters, uh, commentators uh, on the TV, radio, um, and look after all their media aspects of their journey. Um, life after football, we call it. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Because it's quite, it's quite an important topic. It's been discussed. I think it's getting more awareness now, but because there is, I think especially for a player, and obviously the higher the level... There's quite, it can be quite a come down after the, you know, when, when it all stops and with, you know, with some mental health connotations as well and just finding that path because you've still got most of your life in front of you when you retire in sport, isn't it? Yeah, well, a lot of them retire, what, 33, 34, 35. And, yeah. you know, their routine, if they haven't kind of planned, they can have all the money in the world. But if there's no routine and structure to their day, then they're kind of, so after a couple of weeks, they're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not used to this. Um, and I think that the percentages on on around mental health, gambling, divorces, for a lot of a lot of players, it's, it's really hard. I think you go out and play in front of 30,000, 40,000 people every week and then suddenly overnight it stops. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, it's difficult, but that's something we kind of try and put in place with with a lot of our players that are kind of finishing at 33, 32, um, to give them a couple of years kind of 
practice before obviously they retire. So um, oh okay yeah no oh it's, that's interesting it's great. okay so you kind of preempt it before they retire and help. yeah okay so, yeah I think you've got to yeah so when you say practice you know sometimes you switch on the TV and you see maybe a new pundit that you've not seen before and then you don't see him much ever again is that because they're yeah. practiced and they weren't they, they didn't suit you I wish I'll tell you I, I wish they'd do that with Garth Crooks behave <laughs> oh man alive that man's a dinosaur isn't he yeah. I, I think he's slowly going away <laughs> I've not seen him for a while well that's, that's that's really interesting Jake so you get um, obviously to hear some some fascinating stories and also yourself I guess in a way are helping people and in particular men just go through certain struggles which yeah. you have found yourself in yourself over the over the last year yeah. uh, and the reason why yeah. you're you're on the show tonight so you and is it your wife Ellie yeah wife Ellie yeah and you lost your baby it was October 2021 Arlo and if you um if you don't mind just as I always say to to take as long as you need telling us about your story and we'll come in from there yeah, I think we've been married since we were 25. I think that was kind of the next chapter in our lives. And we thought it, it was going to be a, a struggle. And it turned out, you know, it, it kind of was um, for a couple of years. And then in May, obviously, 2021, my, my partner obviously informed me that she, she'd had a, a, a positive pregnancy test. And we were kind of, over, you know, over the moon. And I think... It was my 30th birthday coming up in the start of June. You kind of tell yourself, oh, you can't tell anyone for 12 weeks and mm. and all that. And you're kind of cautious, both quite anxious about it. And, and obviously we were going off to Portugal for my 30th. So we had to kind of tell the family before we went that that she was pregnant uh, with Arlo. And, and then you kind of get to that next stage and go, okay, 20 weeks. And after 20 weeks, you think, you know, at that point, I'd never heard any real stories around it not being a session after 20 weeks. Yeah. I think everyone goes, oh, you get to 20 weeks and you'll be fine. And we kind of hit that milestone. Um, and then at 26 and a half weeks, unfortunately, we, we lost Arlo. Um, it was, well, I, I was working in Manchester on a, on a Friday night and Man United were playing on a Saturday, so I, I was away for the evening. Um, and Ellie called me and said, oh, I haven't really felt him. Um, I haven't felt the baby move much. So she went off to the hospital on the Friday um, and they were like, oh, it's fine. There's a heartbeat there. Go home, have a have a bath and, and, and relax. And... You know that kind of played on her mind, and the Saturday she still hadn't felt them, but because of it was you know our first our first baby, I think yeah. you just take the advice that you get given from from the hospital. Um, and I, I travelled back from Manchester that on the Saturday night. It was, we got, I got in about six seven o'clock, yeah. and she said, oh, "Do you mind if we go up to the hospital?" And I said, "No, no, obviously no problem." But it was the time when, obviously, you know, remember the fuel crisis where, obviously, the petrol garages, we get in the car and we've literally got one mile on the tank. And oh, yeah, this, during was, COVID, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, COVID, yeah. And I, I was so naive. There's me. I was going, oh, no, let's get some petrol before. Yeah. Because if we get there and, and she's going, no, I think we need to go straight to the hospital. So um, we get to the hospital. They kind of do a Dupla scan. And then they go, oh, there's, you know, they basically were like, oh, it's not a problem, don't panic. 
took us off into another room, done a scan. And at that point, that's, you kind of had that feeling. My wife, Ellie, was, was kind of at gone at that point. She knew. I, I still was, I don't know why. I just felt, oh, no, it'd be fine. The machine's broke or, you know, because yeah, I just was yeah. so naive to thinking about it. I'd never heard stories of this nature. Um, and then obviously they do the second scan and that's when, you know, the, you kind of, the doctor looked at us yeah. and didn't say anything. He just stared at us and that, that kind of um, facial expression still lives on today where he, he didn't say anything. He just, that stare. Yeah. So it was probably around half 10 on the, on the Saturday night. And obviously we got that news and you kind of, it's, it's really weird how to, to kind of say it, but you both just sat in this room and you don't know what to say. You're both crying. You don't know what the hell's going on. And the, the, the nurse and the doctor are, are trying to say, look, you know, I'm sorry to tell you this and, and this and that. And it's all going in one ear out the other. You, mm. you can't concentrate on what's going on. And then you're thinking, okay, well, so what happens now then? And I just thought, ah, oh, well, I assume, you know, you go into the other room and they'll make, you know, we'll have the baby and there and then, but you can't, we got sent home that night. How did you feel when you, because the one thing that I, I hear a lot and we, is, it, I mean, it was the same with Ryan and with Amy and also with Joshua last week. And it's that knowing all of a sudden, you've got to go home and you have to come back in and just processing honestly, all of that. Honestly, I, I remember getting in the car. We were still in the hospital and I, my mum and dad were overseas at the time. And I remember calling my dad at this time, it was about one in the morning and he picked up and you, you're trying to get the words out to say yeah. he, he's passed. And so the next thing you know, if someone's ringing you at one o'clock, you know it's bad news. Mm. So it's kind of what's up, and and you're having to, you know, would have, Arlo would have been my mum and dad's first grandchild. Yeah. Um, all those things are going in your mind. You know, as much as it's your loss, I felt for them as well. Of course. I think we were so excited, and I remember just driving home. We literally had no petrol. It's half like half one in the morning. There's, you know, we didn't say a word in the car. We were just both crying, and and you can't. We you get into bed, and and you're expected to go to sleep, and or I, I don't know what you're expected to do. I just remember laying there at like four or five in the morning, thinking, "Is this really happening?" Because he's still inside her. Mm. She still has a bump. You know, you can still feel him. Um, it's like a bad dream, isn't it? That's um, the, yeah. It's, it's so and, real, and, you, at that and your mind's just going in overdrive. And I remember I probably fell asleep for about forty-five minutes, and I woke up, yeah. and my hand was on my partner's stomach, and I just felt it wasn't real, yeah. uh, honestly. And for, even no, we'd been to the hospital, been told twice on a scan. I just still did not honestly believe it. You kind of not slept. You get up again. You got. We got told to go back to the hospital at two o'clock, where they were going to start the procedure of, of giving my wife a tablet, and then you go back there to do another scan to make sure. So you've you've gone back into the same scanning room where you got the news the night before, and then they've done a third scan, 
to then you so you're then going through exactly the same process and then you kind of go through the labor ward to a bereavement room and you're sitting there and they come in and give you a tablet and then you go home again it was just the most bizarre experience and one that you just pray that you know no one should ever have to go through i think it was just um, it's pretty brutal, really, isn't it? Really. It's, it's, yeah. it's a real brutal yeah. kind of, um, and it, it, it's one of those things that, like you, you can't process it because you think it, it. You look, you look at it, and you think, now we're in 2022, and you think there should be a different way of doing this. Like the fact you had to go back home twice as well. So you, well, you having to deal with the yeah. first night, and then you go back again, and you're exhausted, so you're emotionally all over the place, and then. You know, there's, but there's no easier way to do this. There's no kind of just right. We'll do this. Done. No. You're out. You can get on. Try and get on with your life now. And it's just, it's just um, delaying the process of of being able to grieve properly, isn't it? As well, you know. On the Sunday, I remember we, we left the hospital and we went home. My parents had flown back. My, my missus, mum had, had come down, and you're sitting around the house. But they told us this pill takes, I think they said, come back on Tuesday at 5 p.m. But there was no guidance to say, you know, this is what's happening. Um, it could potentially happen sooner. Or So literally Sunday night, we're sitting there. Ellie's got pains in her stomach. She can hardly sit down. Then Monday morning, about 7 o'clock, a, a water's break. And like, and we've not packed anything to take to the hospital. We didn't have a clue. In our head, we were fixated on Tuesday at five o'clock because that's what we'd been told. And then we, I got in the car and we, we're driving to the hospital and the school runs on. And then there's a fuel crisis. So everywhere you move, there's traffic everywhere. Um, and Ellie actually gave birth in the car on the way to the hospital. Oh, wow. um, Shit. So that was probably one of them. It was, in a way, a really nice moment for the three of just to be the three of us. But at the same time, it, it was obviously clearly very traumatic to go through that. Um, I mean, on top of what you're already going through and then doing that, so I'm assuming you know it was just you and Ellie when this was. Yeah, literally. Wow. And and, and I meant like weirdly, I, I remember she's screaming you know giving birth going through the, the motions and, and not really there with it at all and the biggest thing I, I was thinking I've lost my son and I'm looking at my partner who's about to give birth I've never experienced this in the morning uh, mm. in my life and all I could imagine was potentially losing her in this moment yeah. because I didn't know what could happen Obviously, I can see she's clearly in a lot of pain. And you're on your own, you know. <laughs> and you're on your own, and I'm driving a car. I'm behind a, a wheel going 30 miles per hour trying to think, what the, you know, what the uh, hell am, am I doing? I was going to ask you, do you pull over? Are you carrying on? Because you're just imagining that scenario. Obviously, you're going to deal with people looking as well. That, that whole thing, you know, that's something we've got to mention, you know, just with other... We were, stuck at, we were stuck in... Yeah, we were stuck at the lights, and there was maybe 30, 30 kids waiting to get the bus to school. And, you know, it was just, as I say, wow. looking back now, I kind of take comfort in knowing it was just the three of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but you know we'd never experienced this before you always just assume you go into hospital well I just assumed you go into hospital you have the baby and you're there cuddling the baby and 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 that's that and obviously 48 hours ago we we don't we'd got the news that our baby had passed and now he's being born in a car just the you know the three of us it was just yeah, couldn't be further from where you imagine you would you would have been at that moment, yeah. and and going through that, yeah. that's an awful lot that went on in a, in a short space of time. So you, you get there, you get to the. Was there anyone on the phone at the time? Did you did you get any support on the phone while um, Ellie was giving birth? No, no. I was calling the hospital. I was probably ten minutes away. Yeah, and I'm and it's just ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing the ward. Please, please, you know, just. You know, eventually after about eight minutes, I managed to speak to someone. I said, please just meet us at reception because where she'd given birth, he was still in her, mm. in her trousers and she was wearing these biggie, big flared trousers. And obviously at this point, yeah. we didn't know what he was going to look like. We didn't know anything. Yeah. And you just, you're lost and, and you're kind of sitting there and all you want to do is scream. But at the same time, you're trying to comfort your partner and making sure that she's as comfortable and, and she's safe because that was probably my biggest worry whilst being in the car was worrying about her and what could happen to her um, yeah. during this process. Yeah. Jay, it's a horrendous experience that you've obviously gone through. And this is going to sound like a really weird question because you would think that it's almost already known. But what's, uh, what sort of emotions are going through your mind at that time where... You drive into hospital, she's giving birth in the car to your little boy who, you know, let, let's be honest, your little boy has died. So she's giving, she's giving birth to a, a, a dead baby, which in, in itself is traumatic. But the fact that you're put into that position where, you know, you sat at the traffic lights and there's 30 kids waiting to get onto a school bus or whatever, that, apart from the obvious, what other sort of things are going through your mind at that time? Because... It's so- it's so weird because I can't I can vividly remember everything so I, I I can picture the minute from when we left the house to the minute you know we thought you know we got to hold him uh, the conversations afterwards when you know we get a few hours to spend with him um, I can remember everything so vividly in, in my mind but in terms of um, what I was feeling I, I couldn't tell you. Honest to God, you, my mind was so blurred. I, I think it was a panic. Yeah. It's almost um, like you've gone I into would, autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. I think you kind of, I was just trying to get to the hospital, make sure Ellie was safe. And that was all I could physically try and do. But I can't, I wouldn't be able to tell you what. I remember at one point I was just punching the, I was stuck in this traffic jam and I was just punching the, steering wheel yeah but like I couldn't tell you my emotions yeah, in that, that time how I actually felt it's but just I can f- vividly remember everything it's just to feel something isn't it expressing yeah I, I did that when we lost Callie I, I had to drive I had to leave Crystal in the hospital because we obviously we'd lost her and then I had to drive home because we, we knew we were staying with Callie for for a while um, so I had to go back and get some extra stuff and I remember going in to the house getting the stuff and then just like punching the the pillow on the bed, and I mm. it was almost just like a like a release of just as Jake said, it's not even anger. It's just, I don't know what it, 
it's just something. It's something you're in control of. I did exactly. I remember having times where I had to get that release, but you'd get the release, and I never felt like I was almost shouting or punching hard enough. If yeah, that made yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. it was like you were getting this release, but you weren't getting anywhere near what you needed to get out. Yeah, that brought me to fear because you sort of think, well, hang on, I'm abs- I'm I'm consumed with this um, it, level of emotion you're and trapped it, in it, you're trapped in it, and you cut. And I think, like like Jake said right at the beginning, he's like, you feel you, like you're in a nightmare, and that somebody's just going to wake you up from it and go, no, actually, every, everything's all right. And, and that's the thing. Also, when you we've heard before, when you do sleep and then you wake up, sometimes is it what do they, is it sleep inertia? That might be the wrong phrase. But when you wake up and you for the first ten seconds, first everything seconds, seems fine. Yeah, yeah and yeah. then and it's like you're hitting Control Alt Delete on your brain, isn't it? And your brain's yeah. logging back in for the day. Yeah, 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 absolutely. For me, it takes yeah. a while longer now. I'm in my forties, but you know, it's still getting there. But it's like ah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, in a lot more serious, no, absolutely, and worse yeah. way. absolutely. So what happened when you got to the hospital, Jake? Like what, what happened then? Um, they basically wheeled my partner up um, and I remember just shouting at the... I literally parked on the right where the ambulances are meant to pull in mm. and I remember just shouting at the the reception lady just saying, I, I can't... Yeah. Um, and she just said, no worry, I'll put, I'll put something on your car to... Yeah. I think she felt that she was... You know, she didn't realise. It was later down when we left the hospital. She said to me, "Ah, oh, did you have a boy or girl?" Oh. And and you and you turn around and say, "No, he, he passed." And mm. it's those conversations I think you, yeah, you yeah. continue to have. And we went upstairs, and they they straight away took him away and, and cleaned him up. And as I said, we were so nervous, and because it was it was mm. twenty six and a half weeks, we mm. didn't know what it was going to look like, and we'd been to so many scans. Um, but you still don't know what he's gonna yeah, gonna yeah. look like. And when they brought him in, it was just he was so perfect. You know, he he, he had some dark hair on him. Um, yeah, he was just perfect. And and straight away, kind of my missus took took hold of him. And um, and and weirdly, like I've always been scared of holding newborn babies. I, I always think, oh, what, you know, they're so small. And, and he was obviously really small. And I remember Eddie saying to me, oh, do you want to hold him? And I, the panic, honestly, in that 10 seconds, I went, no, yeah, I was straight away. I was like, no, yeah. And because I knew yeah. I wanted to, but I was just too, I was so scared. Yeah. And, and we had a, a couple of hours with him and it, it got to a point, he was in his little container and he was getting little nosebleeds and, and stuff and, and that's kind of when they said to us look you know it's up to you he can be in here as long as you want okay. but for us it just felt he was you know he was deteriorating massively yeah. he was going really cold yeah. he was getting little nosebleeds and and we just felt it was you know the right time at that moment you had a similar thing didn't you Matt with just choosing the right moment you spoke about there's two things you said there and one was our last guest on episode 38 Josh Hewson pretty much said his own version of the identical fear that you were feeling, you know, having the baby. Yeah. And I go to her side of her bed and take Vivian from her and put her against my chest. And, um, take your time. So I take your time. Thank you. Thanks fellas. As soon as she hits my chest, I thought for sure I was going to fall down. The, the, the part where after, you know, 
he was born, they basically come into a room and give you forms about a funeral process. It is the most bizarre thing yeah. that Stri- I've ever experienced. Yeah, it's brutal. Within about two hours, they've come in and go, here's a form. Do you want to have a funeral? Blah, blah, blah. And that, fill it in and give it to us before you leave. In, in that moment, your mind, yeah. how they... You, how they've not given you I don't know 48 hours or whatever it is it's very to cold just process on what you want to do mm. because you know we we had a funeral in the end but in that moment I, just, I don't know how anyone's ever meant to make that decision it's it so ridiculous Jake was that one of the is That's that amazing. one of the hospital funerals yeah yeah yeah, is yeah. that everywhere? That was that just that particular? Was that every I hospital? I think it's. I think it's everywhere. So like, um, hospitals do, will do the funeral for you. Yeah, and then you can choose to have your baby buried yeah. within a um, a hospital grave where there's maybe another you know ten babies, for okay. instance. So then on on a stone, certainly where Lily's buried. Right. So opposite Lily, because okay. we chose to do the funeral ourselves. Opposite Lily, there's about five or six hospital graves. And right. there's, I, th- I can't remember if it's 10 or 12 per grave, and then you've got the names mm. engraved oh, onto, the, okay. onto the stone. That's the um, first time I've heard that. But two, what yeah. was it, two hours, you said, Jake? Honestly, I, that's, we, that's... maybe it might have been three hours, but whatever it was, <laughs> still, yeah, yeah. We're, leave, we're leaving the, the yeah. hospital, and they go, basically, it had like four pieces of paper, and like in that moment, I'm not the best reader at the best of times, <laughs> but... You, you suddenly have got to start ticking boxes on what you want to do for your yeah. child's funeral. Yeah. It yeah. was just outrageous. Like, the process yeah. of oh. it is just outrageous. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't get how they can do it. I just remember getting these forms and, and they were asking what we wanted to do around the funeral. And I remember just sitting there thinking, what the hell? Like, I haven't, it hasn't even sunk in that my baby's passed, even though I've been with him because he looked so perfect. You're still sitting there thinking, "Yeah, this isn't real." And then suddenly you're getting a form to say what you want to do around a funeral. I just remember sitting there thinking, "I don't have a clue." Like yeah. you, you're not in the men, you know, the emotional or, mi- or mental mindset to know what you need to do. You've never been through it. Yeah, I've never had to arrange a funeral for family members or anything before because, you know, I'm fortunate. My mum and dad are still here. And I just wish, like, at that moment, because where we'd made the decision and stuff, like, the funeral then comes, the the lady come up to me and I was sat with my missus and we'd made the decision because the three of us had gone through it in the car together and through the hospital together, it was just going to be the three of us at the funeral, which in hindsight, I wish we, we had maybe invited family to it because it'd make them feel a bit more, like, yeah, yeah. Believe, you know, like, yeah, make yeah. them feel that emotion as much as kind of what we've gone through. I remember they came up to me and said, oh, do you want to carry his coffin? Well, yeah, but then I'm obviously leaving my wife sat on her own and in, in these, there's 10 rows, literally in this chapel, and she's on her own at the front. Mm. And I'm going off to carry the coffin in. Like, it's just a, mm. I, I feel there should be more care for people to make a decision in that in that moment rather than just... Yeah. Tick a few forms yeah, on, a, on a letter, yeah, yeah. and the way and the manner and the way. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just like boom, you are. There's, there's, you know, no, of course, just, no. She, but look, yeah, the, the timing the, behind the, it, yeah, the timing behind it, and and when we were in the hospital when he was born, everyone was, you know, 
brilliant. And and I remember the junior the junior nurse who who told my missus to go home on the Friday night without doing a proper scan. Mm. She was there on the day that he was born, and uh, I remember she her face had kind of you could see every bit of energy um, had been sucked out of her. And she was you know in, in pieces. And I remember testament to my wife. She said to her, "Look, I know you were there with me on Friday and sent me home. I just want to say like." you know, don't blame yourself because, yeah. wow, yeah, you, you weren't to know. But yeah, I just think the processes need to allow people to, mm. because you can't think straight in the moment. Absolutely, and yeah. If I'd gone home with a piece of paper and give, you know, we had 24 hours, you can speak to family, Absolutely. you can speak to people yeah. to say, what do you think you should do? Yeah. Oh, they I wanted think, you to fill it out there and then, was it? Before you No, left? I did, yeah, we had to. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, we had to, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, hang on. Not, that's, no. that's, that's... Uh, but again, as yeah, well, brutal. Yeah, brutal. when you've never been through that, whether, you know, you're burying a grandparent, a parent, whoever Ooh. that may be, you know, if you don't understand the process of a funeral... Yeah. then there is a lot that you can miss out on. You know, I mean, thankfully, we we chose to do our own, which then you get to put your own stamp on it and stuff like that and do exactly, you know, what, what we wanted to do. But then, you know, like you've just said there, Jay, you wonder how many people potentially feel that they've been forced into doing something so quickly when they're not in yeah. the... when they Sorry, when they don't have the mental capacity to be able to make a, um, a legitimate decision at that time where then in hindsight, they look back and they're, you know, they think to themselves, you know, oh God, we never did what we wanted yeah. to do. We felt like I, we were pushed know, into I, it. I regret, you, you kind of live then with that regret, which yeah. you, you shouldn't have to, on top of everything you've gone through, you shouldn't then have to live with, with that as well. No, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Jake, what was the um, sort of support and network from, well, firstly the hospital and, and stuff like that? Like, were you able to spend time you know, memory making and things like that. It, it's difficult. I, I'd been quite critical of probably the hospital, even the, the aftercare. We got given a bereavement midwife who would never pick up a phone. And then she'd gone on holiday and someone else had been put in and you just couldn't really get a, get a kind of a relationship with, with anyone there. Yeah. But saying that at the hospital, you know, when we left, they brought kind of a memory box for us um, with a bit of his hair, um, you know, and, and certain things in there. Flyers with, with whether it was Tommy's or Sands. Um, and I think the first night we went home on that Monday night, <clears throat> we we, uh, we must have sat on the Sands website for probably 10 hours just mm. reading all the forums and you then suddenly start going bloody hell it's not just us mm. um, because that's the main feeling was it's us it's us it's, why has this happened to us and we, you, until you start seeing other people that have gone through that journey um, yeah so I, I, I don't want to be super critical yeah. but it was probably you know the hospitals are stretched um, they're really stretched and also it felt like you're speaking to someone who does care they, they have this soft voice when they're trying to be really kind of you know nice and yeah so you know everyone's different I would have rather people spell out the facts yeah, um, yeah, yeah. than I'm, just kind of 
Jake, I've, like al- I've always said, different. yeah, I've always said, and and this is, you know, nothing mm. against any bereavement midwife, any uh, healthcare professional that deals with, um, you know, baby loss and, and what have you. I don't think any, well, I say I don't think, I know that nobody will ever, ever understand it unless you have been through it. And and you can, like I say, you know, you've got these professionals who have to do this on a daily basis and they have to deal with bereaved parents, bereaved families um, on a daily basis. And it's amazing what they do. And they are the mm. closest, at, you know, in terms of understanding, but still will never understand unless but, uh, they're that parent. And it's absolutely bang on because ultimately you've described to us your journey to the hospital what happened after you found out about the news and as much as obviously me mine and ryan's stories are different to yours we can relate to your feelings yeah. because we've been do you know what i'm saying and it yeah you know so, yeah. you know every every story is different it's like any anything in the world but when it comes to baby loss you know your loss is different to mine loss is different to Ryan's but as Ryan said it is one of those experiences and 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 Danny's as close to any close to anyone who hasn't lived it himself who can relate because of the amount of stuff he's now done with us but it's it it is one of those experiences that you you and I've said this before you, you you can put a professor in front of me with the with all of the doctorates you can get masters you know whatever you want and talk about this subject but it Unless you have lived it, it's very difficult yeah, to 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 feel those emotions, you know, and to feel yeah. the the actual pain. Really, well, you're right, though, isn't it? And that's that's why it's important to have all those different types of supports. Whether it is obviously, you know, we're in a, an era now where we can sit in a room and and do a podcast like this, and we've discussed this previously. How it's it's on us and to get the message out there. We can't keep waiting. Although you know, governments and more funding should be readily available. That, that's always probably going to be a, quite a circular conversation, and we're in this position where we can where we can do it, and 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 also the ability to have yourself, Jake. I hate to use the word compare notes, but it's essentially what, what yeah. it is, isn't it? With with Ryan and with Matt and with anyone who's listening and watching, and and then for 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 me who hasn't been through this, but have friends like I say with Ryan and Matt and with other people, knowing the things that actually it's all right that I can still. I, I need to figure out the right way to say this because I always struggle with it. But just know that. I'm there for you, but I'm not going to push it all the time. But if you want to talk, there is this, and it doesn't have to be every time we talk about something. And I'm going to try and sense when you when you need somebody and know when to step back. And those are things that I think I'm more in tune with now than two years ago. Mm, no, definitely. Absolutely. And just comes from from that. So, yeah, so that, that's where we are with things. And what you said, Matt, about the... And this is actually, Jake, something Matt said before we went live tonight. Because, Matt, I know, if you don't mind, you had a bad day on Friday, didn't you? Yesterday. So, uh, yes, yesterday. Uh, yes, sorry, yes. Yeah, yesterday. So we announced Sunday. So yesterday when he had his bad day. And it was just about the intensity of feelings, especially... As uh, well, do you want to pick up from here because you can do a lot better job than yeah, I? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, we, we we're six years down the line since we lost lost Cali, and and uh, you know you're obviously a year a year down the line, so it, you, your feelings are going to be different to mine because of how close you are at the moment. And 
I, like I said, I just had one of those days yesterday where I was just in a in a in a slump, and I woke. I literally woke up with it, and I couldn't. I just couldn't get going. I just could not. Every anything I did, tried to get busy, couldn't get going. Tried to. I've, we've gone on to have Callie's uh, sister. Tried to sort of play with her a little bit and whatever, and that didn't work either. But my point about this was that because we're six years down the line, I couldn't understand these feelings because they don't come as much as they did when we first mm. lost, obviously, you know? So it's it's about different journeys and it's about different times and, and things like this. And like I said, that these days for me now, fortunately, don't come as much as they did. But when they do, I'd almost forgotten how to deal with that. Had you learned, found sense? ways yeah. to, to comfort yourself that you know that will work or is it depending on the particular time that's passed and how you are that day? Is there, obviously, it's different for... Because you'll have that day again. Yeah, of course. You know, at some point. Uh, it's interesting because I, I text Rob, who's my best mate, and he, the first question he asked was, uh, have you been for a run yet? <laughs> because that's my... It's your thing, that, yeah. Yeah, but I, I couldn't... I didn't have time yesterday. So I, I think that played in my mind, I thinking yeah, I, I ain't going to... You know, but as I said to you already, like before we came on air, in the evening, if I'm having one of those days, I tend to kind of play safe and I'll watch something that I know is going to cheer me up. <laughs> like, so I'll, I might watch an episode of the American Office or something yeah. like this that it, I know I'm going to, I've watched before, but I'm going to laugh at because it's, I, I enjoy it. So yeah. I suppose it's around coping techniques. Have yeah. you, ha, yeah. what have you, have, has there been anything that you've managed to do or have you tapped yeah. into that or, you know? It, it's it's so true I literally wrote that down before tonight it was I wasn't angry at the time I was lost I wasn't angry I couldn't feel emotion I think anger's probably come further down the line for me you just feel like you know there's so much he's, I feel sorry for him he can't you know ever experience these things and that makes me angry and I have certain days probably more recent in recent months where you wake up, you get a shower, your mind's all over the place and you try and, you know, you open your wardrobes and you're looking in your wardrobes and all you want to do is, is literally rip out the whole wardrobe and scream. And that's your day then. And you're angry because of all the things that he's never going to enjoy or, you know, what I wonder what colour eyes he had or what, what colour hair would he have had or... You know, I wonder what he'd be doing now a year on. Would he be walking? All these things, they still continue. I think mm. it's really difficult for people that haven't gone through it because they're so supportive for the first month, two months. You know, everyone tries to do the right thing. But this is a continual process. And I think yeah. the biggest thing is like, you do have those days. I still wake up and it's all I can think about, and I want to scream, I want to rip the wardrobe out, trying to, you know, I had a, a meltdown probably three months ago. I couldn't find a pair of trousers to wear that would go with a certain shirt, and honest to God, I stood at this wardrobe for 10 minutes, and I just wanted to headbutt it. It was just... Matt struggles with that. Anger. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. That's why I wear shorts. That's why you wear shorts, yeah. <laughs> No, but I, yeah. I, I hear that as well, <laughs> to be honest. I, I know exactly what you mean, because it, it can be something as simple as, I don't know, like, I don't know, the microwave's not working properly. Little, well, or we mentioned it before, didn't it? A little thing. Tiniest of things. set you the yeah. fuck off. Yeah, that, that We've mentioned this before. And something else that you said there, Jake, it's an interesting one, because I think partly, again, you mentioned about friends and people there for a short period of time, but then afterwards, it's it's, it's not that like they're paying 
platitudes or lip service. They, they probably genuinely do. You know, there's different people who, who will help and support in different ways. But then that might trickle off because obviously life goes on for them too. For their own lives. And, yeah, but at the that. same time, it's that moment where you really do find out. I mean, we spoke to Matt, I think we mentioned briefly before he went on air tonight, just about the, the certain people that do come back into your life that maybe have been on the periphery for a while that surprise you because you weren't expecting. Yeah. So how was your, uh, and how is your, I should say, your support situation, your support journey uh, under the main... Yeah. It's still only, I mean, look, it's, it's 13 months at the time of making this podcast, so... We actually met a couple through Sands early on. My, my wife had, was chatting to a lady called Claire and they lost their daughter, Poppy. And they spoke every day and she was an absolute, you know, they're both going through the same thing and they managed to speak straight away. And I, we ended up meeting up with them in January time. And you know what? It was the first time we'd gone out and met two people that had gone through the same thing with us. And it was just amazing amazing in, yeah. a, in a horrible way yeah um, I think you summed it up there it's and, amazing in a horrible way isn't it We've, we refer back to that yeah but I think what was interesting there as well Jacob you don't mind me pulling it up is no. like it's almost like you stuttered when you were about to say amazing because yeah. it was mm. like elephant in the room isn't it yeah actually for you it is amazing because yeah. you're yeah. you know you have met someone who or sorry met a couple who are singing off the same hymn sheet as you mm. so actually in yeah. terms of you know, um, being around people who understand exactly how you're feeling, exactly um, the emotions and, and and the journey that you're on, it is amazing. Yeah. Sometimes as well, it's safety in numbers. And you yeah. know that when you're with people who have been through what you have been through or something very similar, um, is that you do feel safe because you know that yeah. no matter what you say, what you do, that you're A, not going to be judged... Um, but, see, Matt's half asleep. Yeah. No, no, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> a busy day? With the, the dads and granddads group on with the Lily May Foundation, which is a group on WhatsApp, which has been, I think it's, it's getting, there's plenty of people in there now. And, 40, 48 And it's exactly that, that what Ryan said, and it is, I've, I've seen it, I see it every day, and it's the place, it's like a, just a support forum you can dip into you can mute it if you want it's not yep. going to be pinging off your phone all yeah. the time it's, it's, it's something that's there immediately and we are in that age where it's, you don't have that before because you have to write a letter or make an appointment there is resources there in, immediately and it's, and, it, and it's good that you know you're in a situation where it's easier to I shouldn't say easier but it's well I suppose it is actually it's easier to find those people to be able to talk to and so yeah, yeah. being able to say it's amazing I, to do that is great as a dad um, Jake did you have um, did you struggle to find support to start with or, or, or was that anything that really yeah I actually remember about two weeks on writing in the forum because it was just all women yeah. writing now and I just thought if someone else is going through this right now I wrote mm. you know on the forum but you, you say dad there but I still didn't feel like a dad and that was the hardest struggle was you're sitting there and going I am a dad you're telling yourself you're a dad you're a dad you're a dad and but you don't feel like you're a dad because you've got you've still got no responsibilities I'm still you know not getting up at two in the morning to a crying baby so I didn't feel like a dad and I remember the first Father's Day I just remember sitting there waking up crying because yeah I should be sitting there with with Arlo, but you're you're not. So it was really difficult to comprehend me being a dad, 
And I, I would tell myself that and people would tell me, myself that all the time. But I never, I could never get that sense of feeling or about it. I didn't believe it because yeah. he wasn't here. And, and that's, you know, that was really tricky. Did you do the, the, the men thing, um, stereotyping to a degree, but just bottle it up for a while? Where, where are you at with it all now, I should say, at this moment in time? Yeah, I think my wife and I, we've done a walk on Arlo's due date yeah. for saying goodbye charity which is the Mariposa Trust we raised over £30,000 and we'd committed to doing this walk after about three four weeks we were getting up on a Saturday Sunday and going out for three four hours walking yeah um, and I don't know where we would be if we didn't do that because yeah it allowed us to have fresh air one and just talk when you're out walking, there'll be moments, you know, of silence. But when you're walking for three, four hours, yeah. there's not a way that you can't disc- start discussing how you're feeling. So straight away, I think that was something that we had a goal. Did you find it more helpful than you initially realised it would do then? It sounds like that once yeah, you got into it. massively. I think by the end of it, once we completed the challenge, you look back at it over the last few months of, of going out... You know, I remember going out one day and we were walking from Hampstead Heath to Waterloo and it was pissing down with rain <laughs> and, you know, freezing cold and you're thinking, what are we doing? Yeah. But it was a blessing for us because you, there's no there's no escape in that yeah, moment. Course, yeah. You know, you're out for four hours, five hours walking. Um, there's no escape. So that was something that kind of really yeah. helped us. As I say, it is quite difficult to open up to friends and, and family because they were probably cautious of, of what yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with my dad in, in April, my brother's stag do. I'd had a few drinks and I felt the time was right and I'd been itching to ask the question to him for probably three, four months. And it was, when you're asked, you know, do you have a grandchild, what do you say? because I, I wanted them to say they did. Mm. But I'd, I'd never felt I could have that conversation. It was unbelievable support they've been. And, and they, honest God, I'm so grateful for them, my mum and dad. That was something I really wanted to ask them. I didn't feel I had the courage to ask them because I was scared of the answer. I think along the way, you find yourself trying to push more conversations but I think yeah. initially to, to speak with my partner on these long walks that was kind of our way of, of dealing with it together uh, in terms of communicating anyway and that's that's really interesting because obviously the different people find those uh, those ways to connect and especially if you know if like we've said before not all the relationships after a tragedy like this will survive but the ones that do it's important to have that communication and, and I'm going to refer to Matt here because Matt did quite a similar thing but it wasn't a 40 mile walk but it's the first time you've mentioned it on this podcast could you tell Jake about when you took Crystal to the yeah. it's, it's, it's near an airport and it was a hot day and I don't think it went as well as yours well, yeah, <laughs> that's the intro yeah we um, well, it, we had, so we had uh, Callie in the June of June the first, two thousand and sixteen. We stayed with Callie for three days, then we went home, and then like so, we went home on the Friday, and then by the by the Tuesday, we we were just like us. I was like, we need to get out now. We need to get out of the house because we've just been sitting in. Of course, we had family yeah. and friends come over, so that filled the time a little bit. So it was a red hot day. We want to just do something, so we found out there's a park over the side of Birmingham from us where you can go and sit and watch the planes come in and, and take off. 
but we didn't know how far it was. So Krista was still in her like stockings that she had to wear for like a certain amount of time, hiking across this field in the boiling heat. I was fine because like I was, you know, I was wearing yeah, my shorts on. Didn't I was you? wearing my shorts <laughs> like I'm there. I remember in my head thinking like, "Come on, what are you doing? Like, walk faster." But walk like, she, fast, mate. she was, she'd had a C, she'd had a C-section as well. So like, she was like, but it, but it's as you said, it's like you talked about the the pissing down rain and stuff. Yeah. You you make these decisions, don't you? And you're like, it's almost yeah. like the pain that you're going through. It won't matter. At that point, I, I can bet you that, that you're walking in this rain, in the cold, whatever, but it won't be anything compared to the pain of what you'd already been through. No. So, yeah. and that's the point. You did a 40-mile walk, and I can imagine how tough that was, but I can imagine also that it, even at the hardest point of that walk, it won't ever have been as bad as no. what you'd already been through. And I, I, me and you say this a lot, right, don't we, that you, life can throw pretty much anything at us now. You know, it's like you'll bounce it off. You know, you're just like, you can get rid of that one because that's nothing compared to what I've already been through. Well, we jumped out of a plane, didn't we? Well, we did jump out <coughs> so of a plane. It's like, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there are certain things, obviously, that are thrown at you and you, and it, it pulls things into perspective about, you know, what you've been through and, and you know, in, in comparison. I've, I've, mm. I suppose to some extent, Jake, I've been itching to ask this as well, is that obviously in the mm. line of work that you do, how did you find the support through sort of your work network and the people that you work with? Um, because I would imagine it's a very intense job. Um, I would imagine it's, it, well, yeah, I know it is because you told us at the beginning that your phone never stops ringing all day, every day. Did you almost find that to some extent that was a distraction from having to be open to what had, you know, actually happened? Yeah, yeah, I think... I had three weeks off. We we went off to the Cotswolds just before his funeral and, and I think it was a week after his funeral I went back to work. For the first probably month, every, you know, everyone's really supportive. Mm. You know, they're not pushing you. They, they understand what's going on. They're, they're not expecting answers back straight away. And mm. I think the, the first month back to work it was probably the biggest blur because you're in autopilot trying to do all these things and you're not really knowing what's going on but you, you seem to be getting by yeah. I think that I, I was so worried leaving my partner at home I, I'd kind of be sitting at work thinking what mindset is she in is she okay what if she does something stupid I don't like leave. you know I was, I was scared of her doing something because you know of, of what we'd gone through that, that was my biggest worry of being in the office mm. really and then gradually it's kind of as I say not forgotten I think but work is just 100 miles per hour and it can't be deemed an excuse anymore if if you're um yeah if you are having one of those days where you want to tell someone to piss off or their worry isn't really a worry because it's not the end of the world you know yes, what's that's... the end of the world is suddenly what you've gone through so realistically in the grand scheme of things mate yeah, you know, bugger off, that, piss off. That, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that comes up every single guest does. now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Every single and guest, I, I, you're so right. I've always said it. Yeah. I mean, Jake, I, I'm a I'm a teacher by well, te technically a teacher by trade. I'm a PE teacher. I wouldn't call that teaching like, but you know, um, and run here. <laughs> That's and, what I wanted to do when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. don't do it. It's yeah. rubbish. <laughs> and um, that's, so, uh, that's why I left six years ago. But my thing was that, I mean, I, I think I had, I think it was just over six weeks off. Um, and I went back about 10 days before uh, the Easter holidays. 
um, knowing full well that I was only going to be back for 10 days and I was getting another couple of weeks off. So I was almost, you know, mm. sort of breaking myself in gently. And my thing was I just completely and utterly changed my perception, my perception of um, my job mm. because I was working with, with kids in a difficult area. I was in a pretty, pretty rough school um, in, a, in a very difficult area. And my thing was that these kids were dicking around in classes and I was thinking to myself, hey, you just, you ain't got a clue. You've got an opportunity in life. My yeah. daughter hasn't got that opportunity. And then I used you to got think, quite angry about I it. I remember that. really, really yeah. angry about it. And yeah. there were lessons. I had to walk out of lessons. And for the first couple of weeks, I think after the Easter holidays, that one of the PE teachers agreed that we would do a bit of like sort of joined up teaching, basically. We'd, we'd link the groups together and stuff like that because I was getting to the point where I was walking out of lessons because I just had absolutely no time whatsoever. For and you people. felt justified doing it. I felt yeah. completely justified. Yeah. I mean, the head teacher wouldn't have said that. Of course not. Though. But it was either walk out or, yeah. or scream and shout. You're about yeah, to, yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. It's flown by. Hours just about up. So is there anything that you, uh, any of you guys want to want to bring up that we may have missed so far? I just want to ask Jake, you know, you spoke to us about it before we, we came on air, but... When you actually saw that this podcast existed and you saw us on Lorraine when you were having your, you know, your mm. your little me time, shall we say, watching a bit of Christine Oh, Lampard. yeah, shall we start this again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are new to the podcast, we've been going to, we've got two years and it was, uh, when was it? Was it August? August. Yeah. So yeah. it was about, uh, well, it was about August 2022. We went down to London. We got invited onto the Lorraine Kelly show, which obviously in the UK is uh, just, uh, it's been around forever. I'm 44. I can remember it from my serial at school yep. back in the day. And it's always been on. with like great opportunity, got some exposure. We went down and it, and it was a brilliant experience. Now we were at the train station at Euston straight after the show to come back and we noticed we'd all had you know we're looking at messages we got some great exposure from it which is brilliant we, we noticed Jake had uh, given us a follow and we're like we're at the pub at Houston I remember Ryan was buying yeah. the truck Ryan and he went well I'm an Elria Ferdinand follows this guy and that's before <laughs> so we're like and so the, the journey sort of went from there and we asked why why the hell in your line of work you know the, the sports agency and running around and going to Doha for the World Cup uh, at nine o'clock on a Thursday morning are you chuffing watching Lorraine <laughs> <laughs> I can't was it August was it it's August, was yeah, it August? Yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah, I think August. so was it August yeah. August yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah. I think my wife and I we've just had a, a little one so I think she was going into the hospital a couple of days later. So I think I'd working from home for those two days, and I, that's why I was watching it. Can you but smell no, that? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, no, honestly, guys, it's, it's yeah. fantastic what you're what you're doing, and I think it helps a, a lot of people. Um, even sitting on here for myself tonight, it's therapy in itself. Talking about it and and people sharing their stories. So yeah. I think it's brilliant what you guys are doing, and the hope. You know, people can take something from that journey to know they're not alone. Um, and I wish I'd, you know, I'd, I'd noticed. I wish I'd been watching Lorraine a year ago, and, and you guys <laughs> would have been in there. But um, no, I really, I really think it's great what you guys are doing. So well done to you. Uh, we appreciate that thank you very much and what you just said resonates there I th and I think it's a great point for anyone who is going through the, you know just the, the horrors of this at the moment and one thing that always sticks out with um, and Matt says it because Matt obviously is on the show and we've discussed this before but doesn't really listen to the shows you, you, you dip in and out to the odd bit here and there and we spoke about it haven't we recently but what you always say again and it's exactly what you said Jake it's the just by being here to talk and it's not you know it's it's what we know anyway, isn't it? How it's good to have the conversations. But sometimes, it doesn't matter how many times you get told something, it's when you do it, 
you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That's the uh, the phrase, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's just just on that as well. I think the the biggest thing is it allows you to know his name won't be forgotten, and I think time can go on, and, yeah. and you worry that is he he will be forgotten. I think you know last year the wave of light for us it was. We must have had a hundred people post pictures on Instagram and stuff of, of lighting a candle, and this year it turns around and there's ten people. So, for for us, he, he's a massive, prominent part in our life mm. and our household. And just to be able to share his stories is something I'm, you know, delighted to do. So thanks for having me. And, I appreciate that. Thank you. And the thing is, you, you you won't allow it to you won't allow his name to not be talked about. So just keep just keep doing it, you know, because I. I always say I've got two kids. You know, I've got two kids. One's physically here, one isn't. But you know what? I'll always talk about Callie because my friends talk about their kids all the time. So I'm going to talk about her. Jake, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Enjoy the World Cup in all its surreal Cheers, nature that is you. over there in Qatar, isn't it? Enjoy your thousand pound pint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Bud yeah. Zero. Bud Zero. Bud yeah. Zero. Oh, yeah, they're still all right, sorry. Yeah, Enjoy this... your thousand pound Bud Zero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was Jake Mallon. We'll put up details uh, so you can uh, find out more about Jake in the description for this podcast as well. And if you would ever like to rejoin us again at uh, a date in the future, Jake, we'd, we'd love to get you back on again. So, um, uh, anytime that's oh, uh, and 21 uh, listening to this podcast as we always say if you want to come on for just for the whole show if you want to come on just for five minutes ten minutes whatever you need then we're, we're more than happy to accommodate you on that so still parents pod on twitter still parents pod on twitter still parents podcast on instagram and we've also got the website up now which uh, i think we can put it up tomorrow so by the time you hear this it'll be live so it's still still parents podcast.co.uk correct jake take care buddy Cheers, thank you guys. Enjoy the thank World you. Cup and we will uh, we'll hopefully speak to you again at some point. And congratulations. Oh, by the way, what was the what was the name of so 10 Week Old? 10 Week Old Baby now? Artie Mallon. Artie. Oh, Artie. Artie. Love that. Brilliant. Name, that is. Well, that's it. Take care, everybody. And uh, we'll be back with episode 40 in a couple of weeks from now. See you guys. Bye-bye. I'll take out Matt. No. Accusing Matt of yawning. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That was so bad. I, like, I just like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, Keep it in. Yeah, I could have thrown a piece of paper in my mouth. I didn't realise I was doing it. I was yeah. like, wow. Didn't realise he was doing it till he was snoring. Yeah. <laughs>